Hey there, I'm Victoria, a certified Christian life coach, author, motivational speaker, and university educator, and I am obsessed with helping you navigate through life's ups and downs so that you can live day by day in God's peace despite the many external demands on your time and energy. The Choose to Think Inspirational podcast is about the delicate dance between God transforming you from the inside out and your personal responsibility for change, maturity, and refinement as a Christ follower. On the show, I'll help you connect the dots between your faith and your life in practical, meaningful ways while giving God room to do what only He can do and so that you can shine your light for Christ and be better equipped to serve your family and help others around you. You can change every area of your life one thought at a time. Welcome back to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast Brain Changer. Let's dive in. everybody and welcome back to the choose to think inspirational podcast this is victoria your host and one thing happy new year i hope and pray that 2024 brings you such growth especially in the area of your christian faith and your christian walk i know with god all things are possible i just delight to think about where he may lead us this year this coming year so i'm going to start this particular episode with a story it was one of those cold and dreary mornings. Do you know what I mean? On most Thursdays, I head to my parents' house about 6.30 a.m. to visit and help them as I can. This particular morning, I started later because I needed to pick up a honey-baked ham at 8 a.m. when the store opened. I'd been up early working at the computer, doing my regular, quote, stuff. You know, there were five days until Christmas, and I had to make it to Nicholasville Road in Lexington, which can be one huge, long bottleneck of bumper-to-bumper traffic, especially at that hour. Needless to say, rush hour lived up to its name. When I arrived at the store, it looked like they were doing construction around the building. It was my very first time there, and I saw one area where I thought I might be able to park. But just as I stepped on the brake to shut my car down, a gentleman ran over to the front of my car, kind of waving at me, you know, his hands going back and forth, saying and motioning that I couldn't park there. Well, I rolled down my window and I said, I'm just going to go in and out very quickly. And he replied, ma'am, this is a loading zone. Well, I felt my frustration rising a bit because after all, I was in a hurry as I generally am. And I countered to him, well, that's precisely why I'm here to unload a ham from you. He kind of half smiled, but I persisted and he could tell I was being stubborn. And plus, you know, I told him, I don't see this spot is marked at all. Well, this time he said a bit more firmly, ma'am, you'll have to find another place to park. This is a loading zone. (sighs) I sighed and kind of retorted, fine. And in just a few moments, I found a spot. It was a good ways from the store entrance, but nevertheless, I jumped out to get the ham. So when I entered the store, there was that same gentleman who had told me to move my car. And he stood inside from the cold and seemed to be directing the customers on which way to enter the multiple lines. There were several lines there. The place was a zoo. I nodded at him, no doubt, with a scowl on my face, but standing in line, I recognized that my emotions were low and my attitude was sour, but I dismissed all that, and finally it was my turn. I got the ham and I left. Then I had this most delicious thought. I thought, I'm going to run over there to the Speedway, it wasn't very far away, to get my favorite coffee cappuccino concoction. 
Speedway, in case you don't know, is a local gas station. And when Jim and I were non-dating for success, as we call it, we often visited the Speedway to serve up a large cup of something called Winter Wonderland. It's kind of like a hot cocoa coffee latte that they only serve during the winter time. We've never found any other gas station that serves this yummy beverage. Well, I think I was feeling sorry for myself. I was stressed from all of, the, all of the holiday prep and the hustle and bustle. And I was also just kind of feeling blah. And I thought to myself, Victoria, you deserve this sugary treat. It's cold and rainy. Today is your day. And I'd not enjoyed this mixture the entire year and decided that now was the time to get it. I knew it might be hit or miss because some stations have them and often you walk up to those cappuccino makers and it says out of order. It's so disappointing. It's like when you go to the McDonald's drive through and you want an ice cream cone when it's, you know, the dead of summer and you're just burning up and it's so hot and you're like, oh, just that little delicious treat. And you pull up, you wait in the long line and it says out of order. You know, their machine's not working. It's down. Oh, so frustrating. So they were very busy. Many folks were coming in and out on their way to work. And nevertheless, I waited until the machine cleared. I grabbed the largest cup I could find and I pressed the button to dispense my winter wonderland treat. I filled it halfway up and I stopped to fill the rest of the cup with coffee. And then I sampled it. And let me tell you, it was the best cup I had ever made in my life. This is what I was thinking to myself. I thought this is the perfect ratio of chocolate peppermint. Thank you, Lord. I whispered to myself. My gratitude, however, was short-lived. The checkout lines were so long that I then began chiding myself for even stopping to get this coffee. I was now going to arrive to my parents much later than I had planned. Not that they would be upset because they're always so delighted to see me, but you know, I've got an agenda right for the day. So I get to the cashier. I pulled out my speedy card, as they call them, to get my discount because I knew that I could buy this cup of coffee using the points I had accrued for like two decades. I had thousands of them. The cashier, who was extremely polite to me, walked me through the U-scan lane where I could check out myself. It's the first time I'd ever done that. Well, we get to the end, however, and discovered that you couldn't use points at that particular, you know, in that way at that you scan place, that little uh, new station they'd set up. So she moved me to another register. I needed to have my four digit code to put in to put in in order to redeem the points. So I hit four numbers, incorrect code. Hmm. I tried four more num numbers, incorrect code. She warned me that I only had one more attempt remaining. And so I punched in four more numbers, no dice. I said, wait, isn't there any way around this? I mean, I have my card right here. This is me. You can check my driver's license. I'm sorry, ma'am. You can call the 800 number on your card to reset your PIN or download our app. And then I said, gosh, I'm so tired of apps and codes and this whole privacy thing. I lamented this to her. And, you know, my, need, needless to say, there are a gazillion people standing behind me, right? And I'm just chewing up time. And then I say, are you sure? I'm whiny at this point. Are you sure I can't get my card to work so I can just take this cup of coffee? And her patience seemed to wane just a bit. Truly, she seemed like a saint, though. And she's like, I'm sorry, please. It's $1.49. <sighs> so in a bit of a disgruntled manner, I grabbed my credit card and I swiped it. And she said, I'm so sorry, ma'am. I hope you get your code figured out. And somehow I mumbled back to her, thank you. 
But for whatever reason, I felt horsewhipped. Do you remember that episode that I did a couple of weeks ago in the 12 Grinchy Thoughts of Christmas? Yeah, that one. Well, I was probably engaging all those Grinchy thoughts. Matter of fact, the Grinch himself would have seemed like a jolly old chap compared to the internal dialogue I was having in my head. Mind you, over what? A parking spot and a cup of coffee. But I concluded, at least I have my coveted winter wonderland peppermint chocolate coffee in my hand. So I got back in the car, put the coffee in the cup holder, and I sighed. But still, my attitude remained sour, self-focused, petty, and childish. I believe I would have found a reason to complain about the heat in my car or the fact that I had a coat on my back that day. I knew I needed to find a way out of this place where there was a traffic light so I could get back on Nicholasville Road. Otherwise, it would be near impossible to cross the long lines of backed up traffic. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you can come out of big shopping areas where there's no traffic light or where there is one. So I needed to find one place where there was a traffic light because otherwise I would be just like risking my life to get back into the flow of traffic. So I pulled in behind about five or six cars on, you know, where there was a traffic light. And it was then that I saw him. You know, the downtrodden man that waits on the corner of busy intersections. His sign had one word, homeless. I thought, wow, he must be cold as the drizzle kept coming and the wind kept blowing at his face. He was seated on a bucket, I think, but it was as if his elbows were on his knees. He was kind of bunched up as much as possible, I think, to conserve the heat. And then the Holy Spirit of God brought such a flood of conviction over my heart and mind. Just look at what I had been complaining about all morning. The weather, my endless list of to-dos, no spot to park at the honey-baked ham store, codes that wouldn't work at the gas station register, the long lines of traffic everywhere. And suddenly I realized all the missed opportunities to praise God for his wonderful and generous hand of provision in my life. I had a healthy body ready to move that morning. I had a warm home, a warm bed to sleep in, a hot shower, a warm coat on my back. My parents were buying a honey-baked ham, and they are so daggone expensive. I had living parents to take the ham to. I had a functioning and toasty car where I could listen to music. I had money to buy a cup of Wonder Winterland coffee to treat myself. Do you think that my face, my very countenance, bore witness to the great God I claimed to serve? Do you think I radiated with joy and that I shined a light for Christ in my attitude, my emotions, and my behavior? No. There I was so consumed by self-pity that I neglected to count my blessings. There I was so consumed with complaints, criticisms, and negativity. My thoughts were solely focused on how hard I had it in life, how miserable was my morning, and how nothing was apparently going right. And what of this homeless man? Now the tears were rolling down my face. I realized my great sin. I felt so ashamed of myself. Indeed, even as I record this, I it kind of is just rolling over me. And I just feel so sorry that I had that kind of focus 
as my car was still stopped at this very long light, I felt like God was nudging me to offer this gentleman. Gosh, this sounds so silly, but but it was like I should offer him my $1.49 cup of Winter Wonderland coffee. It was $1.49. It's not like I'm really sacrificing even, right? So I put the car in park. I grabbed the cup and I rushed it to him. I didn't say anything. I just extended the cup to him. He looked up at me and his face burst into a bright, gummy smile. His eyes were so kind and shiny. Thank you, ma'am, he said. And may God bless you, I replied softly and I ran back to my car. There was a moment when he put his hand up to the sky as if he were thanking God for that warm cup of coffee. Can you imagine if he had retorted something like, well, this isn't sweet enough for me, or I don't like peppermint, or I wish you'd put more cream in it. Yet that is precisely what I was doing toward God, my heavenly father, the great provider. Listen, I'm telling you that complaining and excessive negativity will take you by the throat and choke you to death if you're not careful. This emotional outlook and attitude is not of God. If the enemy of your soul can trap you in self-focus and self-pity and grumbling and complaining, he will do it in a heartbeat. And it's scientifically proven that wallowing in negativity is bad for your brain and your body. And that's where we're really headed in this episode. I want to explain all of that. I'd like to offer you five outcomes on your body and mind, your brain and your spirit when you tend to complain a lot. And after, I'll leave you and me with a short list of things we can actually do, practically speaking, to combat our bias toward negativity and complaint. First, what happens when you complain excessively? Number one, you reinforce negative thought patterns. When you constantly complain, you dwell on negative thoughts and foster a mindset that focuses on what is wrong rather than what is good and positive. The Bible encourages you to think about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. In Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Constant complaining contradicts this biblical teaching, leading to a detrimental mental state. Let me ask you a question. Can you think of any area of your life where you are struggling to remain positive, to see the silver lining, to trust God with the outcome? Is there something that day after day you find yourself down about, bemoaning, or constantly wagging on to friends about, you know, those hardships that seem eternal? Could it be that you are and have been reinforcing negative thought patterns in your brain? Otherwise, constant complaining is like a traffic jam on a highway. Think of your brain as a network of highways where information travels. Excessive complaining is like causing a traffic jam on these neural highways. Negative thoughts and complaints create bottlenecks, slowing down the flow of positive and constructive information. This congestion can hinder effective communication between different regions of your brain, affecting your overall mental well-being. Constant complaining reinforces neural pathways associated with negativity. As you repeat negative thoughts and complaints, these neural pathways become stronger, making it easier for your brain to default 
to negative thinking in the future. Fortunately, you can influence these neural pathways as your brain has a remarkable ability to reorganize itself, a phenomenon known as neuroplasticity. What you think about only grows and is reinforced. So you can try to think more about your blessings than your hardships and your struggles. You can rewire your brain. It's like you can Philippians 4, 8 your brain because what you think about grows. If we're biased toward the negativity and that that's going to be reinforced and grows, can't we say, okay, we're going to be biased toward positivity. And then what happens is that what we focus on grows in that realm. So all those negative thoughts and reinforcements and old neural pathways that we had that were linking toward negativity and reinforcing the negative and the complaints and the criticisms and the, that all that blah humbug junk, that disintegrates because we're not going to energize it anymore. Number two, complaining impacts your relationships. Complaining can strain relationships and create a negative atmosphere. Proverbs 21, 19 states, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Ouch. This verse highlights the disruptive nature of constant complaints. Whether in familial, social, or workplace relationships, a complaining attitude can erode trust and damage the bonds that are important for a healthy and harmonious life. Just recently, I found myself complaining to Jim that he doesn't pick up our doggy's poop from the yard often enough. Mm -hmm. Well, when I made the comment to him, he was on his hands and knees in our living room installing new wood flooring. I didn't mean for him to stop what he was doing right that moment and rush out our back door to scoop up all the dog poo. Needless to say, he was not fond of my remark to him, and least of all, my timing. And by the way, that's not the first time I've asked him to do that. We actually had a pretty heated argument about dog poop, which morphed into his feeling unappreciated and my feeling resentful that he took my comment so poorly. Suffice it to say that yes, complaining impacts your relationships. You know, do you need an attitude adjustment as often as I do? Do you want to be known as a complainer? I don't. Not to God and certainly not to my husband either. His point that I need to focus mightily on all the important and helpful things that he does was spot on. That's kind of what Jim said. What about this, Victoria? And he was right. He encouraged me to consider my timing and to be direct with my request, saying something instead like this, hey, would you mind to pick up all the dog poop sometime this weekend? Something simple. That direct question apparently would have suited him better than, I, than my complaining that he hadn't done it. Okay, check. Complaining can influence social dynamics by affecting the way others perceive and interact with you. Constant complaining may lead to a negative social environment as people may be less inclined to engage with you if you're constantly expressing dissatisfaction about things, about life in general. This can impact your brain's social circuits and contribute to feelings of isolation. Needless to say, I really don't want my husband, Jim, to see me as a complainer. I don't want anybody to. So with God's help, I'm bound and determined to eradicate chronic negative thinking and complaining. Now, when it comes to your interpersonal relationships, did you know that complaining can decrease your problem-solving ability? It's kind of like that traffic jam we were talking about a moment ago in your brain. 
when you complain, you may be focusing on the problems at hand without actually and actively seeking solutions. That's what I was doing with my dog poop example. This negative bias can hinder your brain's ability to engage in effective problem solving. Over time, this can contribute to a cycle of complaining without taking constructive actions to actually address the issues. The next time you're complaining, try thinking about what may be ways to solve this particular problem instead of staying knee deep in the poop of the problem itself. Of course, I had to make a pun there. So for me, it would be, what are solutions around this? Could I just simply walk out the back door and pick up the poop myself? Uh, a big whopping yes. Okay, so we understand that constant complaining and negativity can reinforce those thought patterns in your brain that are negative, those neural pathways, can only reinforce them, and it can damage your relationships. What else? But I want you to stay tuned because we're going to make it to the solutions, and I have a special challenge for you. So number three, constant complaining and negativity increases your stress and anxiety, and who wants that? Complaining often stems from a lack of contentment and an inability to trust in God's plan. Do you believe that? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 advises, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that verse. Constant complaining can contribute to anxiety and stress, hindering the peace that comes from trusting in God's sovereignty complaining often triggers the brain's stress response. Listen to this. When you complain, the brain perceives the situation as a threat or a problem, which leads to the release of stress hormones like cortisol, you know, the big C. Chronic activation of the stress response can have detrimental effects on both your mental and physical health. The hippocampus, a region of your brain associated with memory and learning, can be affected also by chronic complaining. Prolonged exposure to cortisol can impair the function of the hippocampus, potentially leading to memory problems and difficulty learning new information. Who wants all of that? We don't. We've got to find ways to, to reduce the cortisol. And if the way we're trying to reduce the cortisol is by venting and complaining and just spewing, well, it's kind of counterproductive. We must find ways to de-stress. One of my dearest friends often encourages me to release the outcome of whatever situation I'm anxious over. I can easily become anxious regarding some of my family relationships, for example. I long for peace and contentment for all involved but I act as if these things depended upon me and me alone. I neglect praying about them and settling into the fact that God is in control and that he is enough for each of my loved ones. I can never be enough for them because I'm only human, but God indeed can be. Then I ask myself, Victoria, is God enough for you? Do you trust him? Can you find rest in him and his timing? Have you released all the outcomes to him? Do you remember that his yoke is easy and light? Stop trying to run the show and control everything. Surrender your will to God and let him do all the heavy lifting in your relationships. And moving on to number four, excessive negativity impacts your physical health. The Bible recognizes the interconnectedness of the mind and body. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Constant complaining can contribute to a lack of peace, potentially impacting physical health. Stress-related illnesses are often linked to negative thought patterns and chronic complaining further emphasizing the importance of maintaining a positive and grateful outlook. 
Complaining can lead to the release of neurotransmitters associated with negative emotions. We've already talked about the hormone cortisol. For example, the constant expression of dissatisfaction or frustration may result in the release of neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine, which are linked to mood regulation. But then what happens is there can become imbalances in these neurotransmitters, which can contribute to mood disorders and feelings of unhappiness. In other words, your your body's trying to get those other like feel-good hormones out there, but they get all out of whack because your body is saying, I'm just so stressed. I'm so you know, negative. I'm just complaining. I'm in this real funk and I can't get out. And cortisol is going crazy and rampant in your body. And then it tries to regulate that by releasing serotonin and dopamine, but it's, it just is kind of like a runaway train. The cumulative effect of this process can contribute to a decrease in overall well-being. Chronic complaining is associated with higher levels of stress, increased risk of depression, and a generally negative outlook on life. These factors can influence various aspects of your mental health and contribute to a less fulfilling and a less satisfying life. And there's one more biggie here. Number five, the spiritual impact of negative complaining. Complaining can indicate a lack of trust in God's provision and sovereignty. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, it's written, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Constant complaining demonstrates a failure to abide by the scriptural mandate to give thanks in all circumstances. It can hinder spiritual growth and distance you from the joy and gratitude that are central to a thriving relationship with God. Can you think of anyone in the Bible known as a complainer? Any group that complained a lot? Well, there's one notable example, and that's the Israelites during their journey in the wilderness after they were liberated from slavery in Egypt, you know, when Moses was leading them out to the promised land. In the book of Exodus and Numbers, the Israelites frequently complained about various hardships they encountered in the desert. They grumbled about lack of food, water, and other perceived challenges that they faced. Moses, their leader, also faced complaints and grumbling from the people, and he himself grew frustrated and struck the rock in Numbers 20. Do you remember that? To bring forth water after the people complained about their lack of water. However, due to Moses' disobedience to God's command in that instance, he was not allowed to enter the promised land. Despite witnessing miracles and experiencing God's provision, the Hebrew children struggled with discontentment, grumbling, and complaining during their journey. The consequences of their complaints only highlight the, how important it is for you to trust God, have faith in Him, in His way, and to be obedient to Him in your relationship with Him. So there we have it. I think we have a strong case for the negative impact of complaining on our bodies, our brains, our minds, our heart, and our spirit, which leads us to the final part of this episode. What on earth can you do about it? How can you change from a complainer to a praiser? So stay tuned because I'm going to offer you like six concrete little nuggets and we're going to run through them quickly that are, that's going to help you turn your thoughts and attitudes around. Okay, so to combat negativity and complaining, try this. Number one, practice gratitude journaling. Keep a gratitude journal where you regularly write down things you're thankful for each day. Make it a habit to jot down three specific things that you appreciate and make sure you give details or that brought you joy that day. This practice shifts your focus from complaints to positive aspects of your life, rewiring your brain to notice and appreciate the good things around you. Over time, this can lead to a more optimistic outlook. And hey, I have a free 
gratitude wheel. That's what I call it. It's a one page printable. It looks like a bicycle wheel, like the spokes. So in the middle, it says, thank you, God, for all of these things. And then you off those little shoots, the little spokes, there are other circles and you write in like family, my job, my health. You just go through and every day you add to those being as specific as you can. And then each day you start reading through those. Every single day you wake up praising God for all of those wonderful blessings in your life. So if you want to download that, check the show notes. It's right there for you. You can get it right. Number two, to combat negativity, implement a complaint-free challenge. And that's what I've got going on right now. You can challenge yourself to go a certain period without complaining. You could start with a day, a week, or even a month. Use a tangible reminder like a wristband or a small object and switch it from one wrist to the other every time you catch yourself complaining. What I'm going to do is I've got a rubber band on my arm right now and I'm just going to flick it every time I catch myself thinking something that's grumblish and negative and complain or criticizing that sort of thing. And then I'm going to try to help myself break that habit. As you become more mindful, you'll likely find yourself complaining less and less and developing a more positive mindset. Right now on Facebook, if you want to join me there, I have a seven day complaint free challenge going on right now. We started January 2nd. Right now I have about 18 women in that group and we're encouraging each other. We have a little few homework activities each day, very low key, very informal. So just shoot me a request on Facebook, shoot me a DM and say, Hey, I'd like to join that challenge. You are more than welcome to come into that group. And let's see what God will do as we have one week of no complaining. If you're interested, just let me know. Number three, practice mindful of God. That's what I call it, not mindfulness, but mindful of God and reframing type of thinking. Engage in mindful of God exercises to become more aware of your thoughts and emotions. When you catch yourself starting to complain, pause and reframe the situation in a more positive light. Instead of focusing on what's wrong, consider what you can learn or how you can grow from the experience or how you can solve the issue. Remember that? This cognitive reframing helps break the habit of defaulting to complaints and encourages a more constructive and positive mindset. Number four, and this is a given, pray, confess to God, and then seek accountability from a friend. That's why this no complaining seven-day challenge is going to be so good for us because we're all confessing what we're doing. We're seeking accountability to kind of hold us on, on task to what we're trying to do. Take the no complaining for a week challenge. Just shoot me a DM on Facebook. Number five, engage in problem solving when you're faced with a challenge. Instead of focusing on all the negative and frustrating aspects, see around them to the bigger picture and find ways to address the issue instead of, gr of griping about it. If there's poo-poo in your yard, what can you do to clean it up? Number six, finally, rewire your brain by implementing the seven R's for living your best thought life. It's a free resource when you purchase the Choose to Think 365 Day Devotional. Do you have your copy of that yet? I'll put the link to the Devo in the show notes. Once you buy it, it'll tell you how to get your free downloadable seven R's for living your best thought life. But these seven R's make it easy for you to see how to line up your thoughts with God's truth. Trust me, you're going to be much happier. You're going to be shining your light for Christ when you implement those seven R's. It's an easy to follow plan to turn your stinking thinking around. Remember, breaking the habit of complaining takes time and consistent effort, but these practical applications involve intentional actions on your part to redirect your thoughts and cultivate a more positive 
and grateful perspective on life. I hope you have enjoyed this show as much as I have. I'm so pumped up. I'm ready. I'm ready to take this challenge. I'm ready to put complaining behind me. I want to increase the neural pathways in my brain. I want them to be alive with God's energy, his force, his strength, his comfort, his truth. That's what I want to be circling around in my brain, in my mind, in my body. I want to live and shine the light for Christ. And I know you do too. So it starts with the attitudes of our heart, which turns into our words and consequently our behavior. So join me on this challenge. And if you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Get other people on board for this challenge because between you and me and with God at the helm, we can scale a wall. Let's do it together. So God bless you. And thank you again for tuning in. Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Ciao. And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. And listen, if you like what you hear, would you leave us a one to two sentence review at Apple Podcasts, share the link with a friend, or tag me on your share on social media? It would mean the world to me and would help us to keep shining the light of Christ and sharing the good news to others who are in need of encouragement. Please visit us on our website at choosetothink.co. That's with the number two, choosetothink.co, to get on our monthly newsletter list. And if you need a guest speaker for your next women's retreat or church event, I'm your gal. Email me at choose to think at gmail.com. And that's with the number two, choose to think at gmail.com. Finally, I offer limited free mentoring sessions each month where you and I can chat to help you develop a strategy for your thoughts in any area of your life. I'm a certified life coach and I have something to share. Visit choose to think.co and click on mentoring for more details. Also, keep in mind that the messages on this show are for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult your medical doctor for all medical issues. Thank you again for tuning in. God bless you. Thank you.